Greetings and salutations. My name is Justin Lohr. And I'm Liam O'Donnell. And you are listening to episode 64 of Har Business. Har Business. And today, or tonight, because it's like 9 o'clock here, we are joined by a very special guest from the potato capital of the world... I don't know where I was going with that. <laughs> <laughs> is is Boise the potato capital of the world? Confirm or deny, Devin. I'm gonna I'm gonna say deny because realistically there aren't that many potatoes here. So you don't use like potatoes for currency there? <laughs> <They're> just, <laughs> potatoes are just neat. They're Fair neat. enough. It's Devin Boudreaux from Rejection Pact. Hello. Can, I start, can we start this off just with a simple... We'll just get this out of the way, because this isn't what the podcast is about. Yeah. But I just want to start off with this, okay? okay? Your, band is, your band is sick. Thank yes. you. I appreciate that. It's, it's, very, it's very good. You know, I'm, I'm an old person. Yes, you are. And elements of your band remind me of things that got me into hardcore, and that makes me very happy. That's honestly what we're going for. Like, we obviously like, like all kinds, kinds of music and whatnot, but... We were like, yo, let's play the kind of hardcore that we got into when we like really started to like enjoy hardcore and it's from like the mid two thousands. So we're like, let's rip off bands from that era and it's long enough ago that it's not gonna seem like quite as obvious as those that came out around the same time we would have probably seemed like literally everyone to know there. I mean, I I don't know if no one would care, but I appreciate what you're no, saying. No, but I, I I do like the fact that we're f- we're we're far enough removed from that era of hardcore where bands can cover like Carriol now. Oh yeah, and people lose their fucking minds. Like not like sure. shitty ironic. Like we're gonna co- like I remember I used to be in a band back in the early two thousands and what band we. Pl- uh, we were called Cold Like December. We were like a grade Terrible ripoff band. Fuck you. Oh, I'm sorry. It's not the revolver method. We were like <laughs> a grade turning point ripoff. But we played with this one band that in like 2002, 2003, they covered Finch. That's and we were like, you move. can't you can't do that. But you could cover Finch now. And no, you could go crazy. You no, could. you couldn't. You could. I would I would chain the doors and set the place on fire. I mean, don't get me wrong. I don't like Finch, but people like Finch. That, that first is sick. Oh, I can't, I can't. <laughs> I'm a big fan. I can't. I can't. Uh, I, I will neither condone nor condemn it. <laughs> I lived in uh, Virginia Beach for a while, and uh, they played a show in Virginia Beach with Since the Flood. Very hard. And um, oh, what was the other band? It was like one of these bands whose name sounds like they really want to be like a mysterious metal band. Slow Gherkin. No, it was something like the mystery or the oracle or some bullshit. Oh. It was like a member of an actual like fun metalcore band in his new band that was like kind of metalcore but also kind of dark tranquility, you know? Oh, Veil of Maya? No. <laughs> veil of Maya is one of those bands that does the note, you know, the like note, you know, yeah. whatever the fuck. Yeah, that but is. they're named after a cynic song, so I'm okay with that. Stop. There's nothing good about Veil of Maya. They're named after a cynic song. Anyway, we don't have time to discuss Liam's terrible this taste in music. <laughs> my terrible, terrible you take. Know Liam's. You know what? Veil, Veil of Maya has a couple tracks. Get the. Fuck. But I'm surprised. I'm surprised they're still a band, to be honest. You know what, Devin? Keep that shit in Boise. All right. <laughs> That's what I say. They 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 do well here, but I haven't seen them since 2008. So I understand. 
I mean, I definitely went to a full-on metal fest, and they played it. And there was really only one band on the whole lineup I wanted to see. It was at the TLA. And I just sat in the balcony, like, banging my head against the wall to the one band I liked. What band was it? You know what's really upsetting? I don't even remember anymore. That's how much that band mattered to me. But at the time, I thought it was worth it. So Liam was there to see Bring Me the Horizon. Uh, So in this episode, we're going to be talking about two movies that are not only both directed by Stuart Gordon, not only do they both star Jeffrey Coombs, and not only do they both star Barbara Crampton. Barbara Crampton. Both films are very loose adaptions of works by celebrated racist and (laughs) all-around shitheel H.P. Lovecraft. We are talking about 1986's From Beyond and 1995's Castle Freak. I mean, look, it's hard to ignore H.P. Uh, Lovecraft's deep impact on modern horror, including racism. But still, it, you know, we, we, we uh, y- y'all should understand, Justin is talking shit on a man whose characters he has tattooed on himself. It happens. So, you know, it's not we're not Lovecraft haters, but we become Lovecraft haters when other people try to ignore the fact that besides writing some good books, he was also a giant racist. Lovecraft is the literary version of Morrissey. Oh god. It's the truth. <laughs> it's the truth. That's very accurate. It's the I'm, and I I can't claim I can't I can't claim to have come up with that. That was uh, I saw someone on the Twitter posted that. So I but it's the, it really is the truth. Like you have this guy who who had this massive impact on the genre and just underneath it was this like simmering not even simmering just boiling and roiling fucking rancid stew of bigotry and hate and you know i don't know if you ask alan moore closeted homosexuality but you know what that's that's 1930s aristocrats for you i don't think that 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 i I don't think it'd be that hard to read that i I mean it's just have you read providence no i'm saying i don't think alan moore is reaching i think that's okay good good quite predict uh, quite possible that that's real yeah um but then again it's hard because like I re I see that a lot. You know, it's like so. You know, he's uncomfortable with women. He lives, he's kind of a sad, lonely man in a lot of ways. Didn't do well with women. No, he's like poorly. And then the tall English gentleman removed his shirt, and I saw his chiseled pectoral muscles gleaming (laughs) in the somber moonlight. I felt the stirrings within my forbidden regions, like the forbidden regions of the plateaus of Leng. And then they suck each other off, and you know, Cthulhu fucking cheers them on or something i don't know that's my hp lovecraft fanfic (laughs) so before we get any further this episode is brought to you by the fine folks at our patreon the people who hear this podcast they hear the other podcasts on the cinepunks network the other podcast that I make amazing graphics for on Instagram and Twitter now. Fuck. <laughs> and they hear us talk and they say, I want to give these people money and I want to support them. And to those people, we say endlessly and very loudly, thank you. Um, I don't feel that I do much of note or much that is worth commending, but it makes me feel good that there are people out there who hear what I do and hear what we do. And they're like, we want to help these guys out. So if you've done that, Thank you very much. And I swear by the old gods and the new, we will have Patreon exclusive 
matter Talk content matter content <laughs> my brain is mush today i mean th- th- we could make matter too if you know what i'm so saying if you, okay i'm putting this out there right now if you hear this and you're a patreon to, subscriber to if if you want chism if you want a video of me let's get weird about this wearing a cthulhu mask because we're talking hp lovecraft and nothing else what the fuck? sitting sitting in my car and rambling about what Andy Machete should have done for it in it chapter two. If you want that, message me. I will do that for you. <laughs> if you're a Patreon subscriber, only if you're a Patreon subscriber. So if you if that intrigues you for whatever reason, seek medical attention because you're you're having a brain aneurysm and you need help. Or just go to www.patreon.com backslash cinepunks. There's a little button there you can press. We know how to donate to Patreon. I donate to Patreon all the time. Just go do that. Yeah. And give us your hard-earned money. Please. Thank you. Uh, we're also uh, supported by our friends at Lehigh Valley Apparel Creations. The Lehigh Valley's premier screen, screen printing company. They, they, you know, they screen print on stuff. This they do. Isn't, this isn't hard to understand. You put ink on a screen. You push it through the screen. You've got a shape on the screen to shape where the ink goes. But it's so much more than that. What's the, what's the more? They put a little extra into it. <laughs> Not much extra, but a little. Sure. And I'm not talking like the guys in Kiss where they put their blood in the ink. They put love and tenderness into it. Sure. Now, Liam, if I told you I have an idea for a space rock band. No. Called nope. Yogg and the Shoggoths. Oh, that has to already exist. I'm, that has to be it, real. It does. I guarantee it. But what, fuck those people. They're probably aged, dead fucking hippies anyway. So um, if I wanted to get shirts made for Yogg and the Shoggoths. Who would you recommend I go to to fucking torment with this idea? I mean, first I'd recommend you uh, not do that. But okay. after that, I think I would recommend that you go to Lehigh Valley Apparel Creations. They are the people that you need to be soliciting all of your screen printing needs from. If you have an idea for your band, for your podcast, for your Ric Flair fan club, whatever you have, whatever weird thing it is that you have. Sex I, club. Sex club, yes. I beg you. To go in person, and from that they will extrapolate some semblance of some artistic thing that you want because they have talented graphic designers on hand. They will help you come up with the perfect idea for your shirt, for your pin, for your poster, for your whatever. They will walk you through every step of the process, and they're very patient. They have the patience of a saint, like a real saint, like actual, like like a real like a John Brown level saint. They will help you out with that. So if anything we said intrigues you. Go to www.xlvacx.com for more information. That's www.xlvacx.com. But, listeners, I beg you very, very, very somberly, whatever you do in this world, whatever choices you make, wherever path you walk, do not let those X's fool you into believing that Chris Reject is anything within the fucking galaxy of Straight Edge. He's not. He's a drinker. Um, he's not a good person. And he's he's just he 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 doesn't he he doesn't like youth of today. And if you don't like youth of today, you can't be straight edge. It's a fact. I don't like youth of today. You can't you can't like youth you can't not like youth of today and not be straight edge. He I feel like I know that are straight edge that don't like youth of today. <sighs> okay, let me put it to this way. I do I do, but yeah, let me put it this way. Chris Reject likes speak out more than he likes looking back. Whoa. Which is a sin. Which Jesus died for. Look, look, look. We're not here to discuss 
Uh, Crippled youth versus bold. <laughs> We're not here to discuss Chris Rejects' uh, music Shortcomings. Takes. Many, many myriad shortcomings. Yes. They're legion. Otherwise, this would be a Defiance Ohio po- podcast, and yeah. it's not. Yeah. It'd be a <laughs> podcast about people with bad face tattoos, dogs that they hop trains and they wear top hats. <laughs> You could take t- whatever whatever that means. I'll let you, I'll let you decide what that means. Now, this is usually the time in the podcast where I would look at Liam and I would ask him what he was doing in the horror related the genre, what he has done recently. But we have a guest today. So, Devin, have you done anything recently involving horror? I watched Blood Harvest today for the first time. Oh, Blood Harvest! Famously, uh, wait, if I'm right, this is the one that has Tiny Tim in it, right? Yeah. Yeah, dog. What'd you think of that? Uh, I'm glad I watched it. I didn't think it was very good, but it's not good as far as let's say I don't know the quality of cinema therein. But uh, a lot of people seem to enjoy it for the eccentricity of the performance. Did that live up to your expectations, or was it not as wild as you expected? Uh, it was kind. I mean. I only watched it. I literally like had saw the trailer once whenever they did the Ray like re-release of it or whatever. Sure. And I thought it was gonna be much more like, not like a snuff film, but definitely like pretty sketchy. And there's definitely sketchy stuff in it. But at the end of the day, I was like, this kind of tank. Like, it's definitely weird. And his performance is very out there. And the music in it was very interesting. But. I mean, at the end of the day, it kind of was just like, it was fine. I'm glad I watched it. I wouldn't ever watch it again. But Yeah, I think it's a bit overrated. I like it, but I think it's a bit overrated. Um, but I think I would possibly get the Blu-ray just because I think the special features are probably pretty cool. Um, but I've only watched it on... Um, they had it on Shudder with... Uh, That's a, I watched it on Shudder today. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm 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 interested in in hearing more about it because I think the production was kind of crazy. Who but... put the Blu-ray out? I think it was. It starts with the S. Was it Shelf? Oh, oh it, that was um. You mean a uh, Synapse? Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. It was either Synapse or it was possibly uh, Vinegar Syndrome. Let me Interesting. Look. My friend left a really good review on Letterbox about that movie and hooked out. <laughs> now the Blu-ray, like, look, I had never even heard of that movie to be until the Blu-ray came out, and I was like, oh, this looks pretty interesting. It it was um. Vinegar Syndrome. Yeah, what up, Vinegar Syndrome? Friend of the show, Justin LaLiberty, who also writes for Cinepunks, just got hired there. He's going to be one of their new archivists, uh, keeping track of uh, all the various film that they have there. Uh, but yeah, we like, we're like we fans of Vinegar Syndrome. Uh, okay, cool, 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 cool. Blood Harvest, what, anything else? I got Scars of Dracula on Blu-ray came yesterday. I pre-ordered that. It's the only... Um, like Hammer, Christopher Lee, Dracula movie that I didn't have, so I had to pick. Oh, up. so you're, st- are you like a you're a big Hammer person? Uh, for their main stuff, I don't like like a lot of their weird like offshoot stuff. I sucks, but like the vampire shit's cool. Um, the Frankenstein stuff I like, like Curse of the Werewolf, like all of their like mainstays I really like a lot, but all of their kind of random other horror movies I think are kind of whack and boring. Okay, okay. Mixed mixed on it. I, I, I feel you. Um I've never actually have you seen I've never actually seen Scars of Dracula. It's definitely not good. <laughs> but I like there's like a with um and this one he turns into a bat a lot. 
And if I remember, because I've if it on, I want to say they have an HD rip of it on YouTube, and I I've seen it on it on VHS when I was a kid. But I want to say that you can definitely see the string that Bat is hooked to. <laughs> sure, sure. So I'm definitely trying to see that on Blu-ray and see how bad that looks. And I, if I remember correctly, this one is a little more close to the actual Bram Stoker Dracula. Like some of the, s- the story arcs from that are actually much more in this movie. But from what I remember, that's definitely not very good. <laughs> hmm, you're really selling me on it right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's, all, it's all about 1972. That's my favorite like it's really dracula one just because it's so fucking out there yeah i i agree with you on that i'm a i'm a fan of that as well i need to watch more i feel like my christopher lee uh dracula knowledge is very uh shallow i need to i need to watch catch more johns i got a christopher lee dracula tattoo i'm a, like big fan Sick. that's what's up yeah anything else you want to talk about uh they put the purge tv show on hulu watch that and probably have a real bad time this weekend <laughs> <laughs> I okay. What do you think about the movies? Are you a Purge fan? Uh, I thought the first three. Do they have two or three? I think it's three. I think they have four at this. I point. think we're up to four. Oh no! Yeah, they have four. I liked the first three a lot for what they were, especially the first one. The newest one, like the prequel, I thought was kind of cool, but definitely um, felt like it was maybe like much more woke than it needed to be. But I kind of feel like at the point they're just running the idea into the. I'm very curious to see what the TV shows like. No, it has terrible reviews. Here's my thing about the wokeness of the of the prequel, John. The property they have, The Purge, could go basically two ways. And they already kind of laid the ground by being like, oh, there's a bunch of rich fucks who don't do The Purge. That's already leaning left. There's some opportunities there that you could go the other way if those were all like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> limousine liberals who are hiding in their mansions but you kind of got the feeling that that's probably not who that was that these were like leftovers from the reagan era who were hiding in their mansions so for that prequel i think they just sort of put the nail in the coffin of like just in case you were wondering where we're going with this idea dink 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 there it is i was kind of like don't be wrong it was a little it was a little heavy-handed but I don't know, like, my feeling on it, like, I like I had heard ahead of hand, like, oh, it's so over-the-top heavy-handed. Yeah. And then I went to see it, and I kind of thought, wait, which of us was going to the Purge for subtlety? Like, who, <laughs> who, who, who amongst us was like, you know, I just really thought the Purge would really give me, like, a nuanced view of the American political life. I really appreciate the unspoken context that the, pur- <laughs> the Purge presents. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's dumb. It's, like, it it's basically taking something I like and making it dumb. You know what I mean? It's like, Justin, you know, you enjoy vegan comfort food, right? Yes. But you could definitely take that vegan comfort food and do it so crazy that it's kind of dumb what you've done. Yeah. That doesn't mean you're not going to enjoy it. No, it's all I do. Right, right. You've seen the shit that I You're always like, I need eight kinds of fake cheese. Yeah. Even though they're all just the same substance with slightly different chemicals in them. No, that's not. They're all the same. They're not the same. Similarly, that's how I felt about the purge. It's like, yeah, I'm pissed off at the way the world's going too. You've definitely given me a version of that that's particularly not that bright. But I'm into it. I'm I down. don't take my anger on society out on the macaroni and cheese that I make. That's not. You know what I'm saying. Yeah, doesn't matter. Anyway, okay, cool, 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 cool. Well, I I hope the show is less painful. I haven't watched <laughs> a, a a second of it. No. Are you going to watch it? Are you interested in it, Justin? I made a vow that I will not watch another Purge property until Donald Trump is out of office. Oh. Yeah. Okay. It just scares me that bad. <laughs> like, yeah, like, I really think about it, and I'm like, 
Yeah, but like, I think it's like the my mild uh, sort of like I have. Um, I, I, I've dealt with uh, obsessive compulsive disorder and it was really bad when I was a kid and I've mostly overcome it. But part of the lingering mindset of that is I know it's completely irrational, but I still have this feeling that things I do can affect the cosmic outcome. If you want an excellent idea of what that's like, read Stephen King's N and you'll understand what I'm talking about. Sure. So I have this idea that if I keep that promise, everything will be okay. Okay. Well, it's completely insane. I you you know you're I would never put that on you. I would never put that on you. I would. <laughs> so okay. Uh, well, then I guess that makes it uh, my turn for horror stuff. Is Devin done? Yeah, I'm gonna go to the movies this week, but I don't think I'm seeing anything horror or what I would call horror. So I uh, I have not done much of anything. The only thing that I really have to talk about horror wise is something we did together. We went to Real Weird Weekend and saw a video drum. Very sick. We didn't see Videodrome. We watched Remote Control. I left. Oh, you left before Videodrome. I watched Videodrome. Side note, is Remote Control a horror movie? It's like a sci-fi comedy. Pretty racist. Yeah, that's true. Isn't John... That's John Ritter in that. No, no, different. different. No, I completely forgot about the John Ritter. That's called... Oh, my God. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. Yes. Yes. Remote control is uh. Were, were you? Did you make the mistake as I did of watching the show Entourage? I actually just rewatched Entourage like a couple months ago. So the old, what's the old guy's character's name on that show? What are you doing? It's it's not the guy from Entourage. It's fucking Kevin Dillon from The Blob. Oh, you're right. I have him mixed up. <laughs> I thought it was the guy from Entourage. It is, but he's also Kevin Dillon from The Blob. Oh, okay. So I was right. You just want to push the Blob up? Yeah. People again. Fucking poser. Bro, bro, I'm going with Entourage. Anyway. The point is, is when I watched Entourage, I thought, who's this asshole who looks like Matt Dillon? I have no context for who he is. And then, now I have more of a context. He was in the terrible movie Remote Control. Horrible movie. This bio sounds great. Looking at it right now. Here's the thing. it's it, Parts of it are funny, but it's not that... <sighs> It's not as funny as it thinks it is. Uh, it has no aspects that are actually like horror really at all. And, uh, you know, there's just something about the idea here is that the... the uh, Spit it out, Liam. What is it? I'm getting there. <laughs> These VHS tapes are, are... So for those of you who haven't seen it, Remote Control is there's a movie called Remote Control that when you watch it, it makes you go crazy. You're an idiot. I'm just kidding. Uh, it makes you go crazy and want to kill people. Where do the tapes come from? Uh, the tapes are being produced by aliens. What do the aliens look like? <laughs> Wait a minute. We're getting there. <laughs> we don't actually know what the aliens look like. The aliens are controlling people. And because the people they're controlling are making videotapes, they're all Asian. <gasps> because it's making the assumption that the only people who would make videotapes or any electronic things would be probably Japanese people. Interesting. What does the main bad guy look like who's the alien? But then, so then... This was all based on a 50s movie. And in the 50s movie, the uh, bad guy looks like uh, Fu Manchu. Fu Manchu. Well, it's not even Fu Manchu. It's um, the guy from uh, Flash Gordon, who's also a difficult Asian stereotype. The evil Ming? What's yeah, his name? yeah, yeah. Ming the Merciless. Ming the Merciless. The, so the villain looks like... So in other words, it's a movie in which... You know, white Americans in the '80s are being threatened by a lot of Asians, and I and I don't think it's a I don't think it's a a choice made on the surface. <laughs> uh, but I mm. think, anyways, it's racist. It's kind of racist. Is uh, what I'm trying to get kind at. Kind of. Here. 
<laughs> the point is, is that <laughs> it's kind of racist and it's not that funny. So the movie didn't work for me. Yeah. Uh, shout out to the guy next to us, though, who I made the joke about, like, when you were like, yeah, Videodrome's up next. And I was like, I've heard of Videodrome. That's directed by David Cronenberg. And the guy was like, no, it's David Cronenberg. And I was like, oh, this dude next to us was so fucking nice. And then he struck up a conversation with me about like David Cronenberg and all this shit. And I was yeah. like, yeah. Oh, God damn it. I have to go. Because I was just like so unnerved by this guy's hospitality and you pleasantness. Just did, I was just like, didn't I didn't get that you're a sarcastic asshole. I'm not even sarcastic. I'm just an asshole. <laughs> it's It sucks. So the only thing I have is that I watched Videodrome. Um, you're full of shit because we did something else. What did we do? I missed it. I'm what else did it. you do? I you just we just went that we didn't see a movie called Ready or Not. Oh, I forgot, and we haven't recorded. Oh, hey guys, I have two things. One is Videodrome. So let me talk about that real quick. I think there's a lot to Videodrome, and I don't. I think it's really easy to just take Videodrome as just being about this question related to uh, how much of our life has become virtual in the age of television. Mm-hmm. I think there's more than that going on there, and I really want to. Th- think about it more and i i remember that uh i used to be obsessed with that movie and i just hadn't watched it in a long time and now i'm like oh, i kind of want to write about video drum but I, i'm just not even sure where to start there's just so much i think there under the surface you know I, I have a few ideas i bet you do how james wood should be fucking brained with a brick okay i was gonna say let's talk about it. Yeah. yeah no 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 yeah that's a good, uh, okay speaking of uncomfortable things First, remote control is kind of racist. Second of all, Videodrome features the only performance from James Wood I really like. And really? Uh, it's a serious question. You don't like anything else he's done? I can't think John of... John Carpenter's Vampire? Thank you. Thank you. Oh. Finally, someone else he fucking knows. You sons of bitches. Uh, that movie rules. Hell Here's yeah. the thing. I, I do like vampires. I'm not part of the anti-vampires group. It's not on my list of actually not good John Carpenter movies. That being said, James Wood's in Vampires is just... He's just there. He's not bringing anything to the table. Have you seen The Hard Way with him and Michael J. Fox? <laughs> <laughs> I have not, actually. You're saying I need to watch The Hard Way before I let his Twitter it, presence... Uh... It fucking rocks. It's got... I don't remember the actor's name, but the guy, the blind guy from Don't Breathe plays the bad guy in it. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I actually love him, though I don't like Don't Breathe very much. But it's like a good... Either late 80s or early 90s like action comedy. Big fan. I mean, don't get me wrong. He was in that movie with uh, Sylvester Stallone and Sharon Stone where Sylvester Stallone tried to be sexy. So I guess that's good. <laughs> what? You don't know that movie? Did you just imagine this movie? No, no, no. It also has Eric Roberts in it. So I'm very familiar. Don't give me a look. Eric Roberts has been in some great movies. Eric Roberts is in that new shitty movie with Kevin Sorbo. I know. That's a fucking. Oh. That's a shame. This is like one of the reasons I'm glad we're not doing Eric Roberts as the fucking oh. man anymore. Because now we don't have to try to cover that bullshit. <sighs> Anyways, he, Eric Eric Roberts, James Woods, and Sylvester Stallone and Sharon Stone are in a movie where a bunch of people are explosion experts, and they're all trying to screw each other over to get this like money. And so it's like in all these situations where they should just be shooting each other, they're just setting various explosives and setting them off. That's actually pretty awesome. It's so bad. The worst part being that Sylvester Stallone's like, no, let's do a lot of full nude scenes of me. It's going to be really great. People are going to be really turned on by me pretending to have sex with Sharon Stone. It's really sexy. And it literally looks like he's like he's with Sharon Stone. They're both <laughs> nude, but he's passing some sort of massive child out of his butt. 
because he just looks he's just straining and looking really upset while he's supposed to be looking sexy you just can't figure out like how do humans enjoy coitus in a way that's enjoyable for other people i wouldn't know i'm sylvester stallone i feel like i've seen this it's is it called the specialist yes there it is shit specialist okay anyways you're right so i went to videodrome videodrome's great we should do an episode on Videodrome, but I don't know what to say about it yet, so okay. I have to think about it. Then we also went and saw a little movie called Ready or Not. This movie was so much fucking fun. I was literally screaming in the movie theater with how happy it made me. I mean, uh, I, I understand there are a number of people who saw it and thought, hey, I've already seen Your Next, or I've already seen Cabin in the Woods. And like, yeah, okay, fine. If 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 what you need from a movie is only that it's a completely original idea, then, you know, this movie's clearly influenced by those other movies. Yeah. That being said, I don't care. It was fun. I had a lot of fun. I with had a it. fucking blast watching this movie. Um I, I think it I think uh uh what's her name who's in it? What is what is Samara Weaving? Samara Weaving is great. Yes. She is the glue that holds the film together. The other performances are strong, but she really sells the entire film. Absolutely. And without her, the movie wouldn't work. I don't. I don't think anyone was bad. I thought everyone was pretty good. I, I think the the creepy aunt is a little bit. I thought that was perfect. I I, 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 I thought she was a little over the top for me. I th- I kind of think it worked though. Like I I kind of think it worked in a sense that this was a movie that was about rich weird people with a dark past taking place in a giant mansion. We needed like a really spooky over the top gothic presence in this movie, and, and sure. she nailed it. So. I uh, that was a perfect movie for me. You know, I, I don't think it's gonna be like my number one movie of the year, but that was a that was a thoroughly consistent film for me. And from start to finish, I had a I had a ton of fun. I mean, I think uh, you know, there's there's just something for me very pleasing about a film that seems to suggest that the only way the 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 rich and powerful can be as rich and powerful as they are is because of their immoral deals with Satan. I'm in. Like that's you mean, that's you mean Mr. Mister LaBelle? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I think that's pretty great. I do wish, I do wish there were. Uh, it's it's a little frustrating that when it comes to like um, class commentary in films, Ready or Not's kind of the most that we've gotten in some ways, at least in like major released movies. Yeah, and I'm like, oh, is this the most that we could do to talk about this right now? Like, I love it. It's very satisfying to me. I mean, it but just I could... wish more movies were like, oh yeah, it's weird. How all these people have all this money, huh? Like. That's weird. It, it kind of su- it's. I mean, it's not. F- I say it's funny, but it's it's actually uh, fucking maddening that uh, our shitheel president was so up in arms about the hunt when right. this movie is way more on the nose about uh, how rich people are literal pawns of the fucking devil. Right. And you know, I'm, I'm whatever. I'm glad he was dumb enough not to watch it because I got to see it. But if there was one movie that should earn the ire of uh, our fucking corporate overlords, it should definitely be ready or not. Yeah. Devin, did you see it? I was actually going to see it on Monday, but my girlfriend got really sick, so we're probably going to go uh, see it next week. But gotcha. We were fucking tight. It definitely, like, I'm glad that you referenced your next because I love that movie. So if that's, if As that's do the I. vibe of it, I'm all in. Yeah, it I mean, I think it's, it's a little more polished, which yes. maybe is a negative for some people, but I thought it worked. It's, it's you know, it's... It's fun. It's definitely. Um, I didn't feel a lot. Of, I I wasn't. I was on the edge of my seat 
but I wasn't scared. It was like, oh, it felt more almost like action-y to me, which I don't mean as a criticism. It just was less... You're just excited. Yeah, I was like very much like in the moment. There was a lot of tension. There was no real fear present. Right, 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 right. Uh, for those of you who are listening, I'm looking at you, Ryan Sawyer, my fucking kindred spirit. Uh, look up a book by Robert McCammon called Usher's Passing. This film reminded me a lot of that. If you, if you, First off, if you've read that, I wouldn't be surprised at all because you're the dude out there who I'm like, oh yeah, of course the only other person on earth who have read that weird book that I read when I was 13 would be Ryan. But, uh, so yeah, if you're listening to this, which I hope you are, and I know you are cause you're a good dude. Check out Usher's Passing by Robert McCammon has a lot of things present in that book that this movie did. Well, that's it. Those are my two things. How about you, Mr. I do all the things always. Uh, so I'll keep it brief. Uh, the terror season two is fucking killing it. I'm thinking about watching. I had I never even got to watch season one. That show is amazing. It. it really does an amazing job of it. There there wouldn't even have to be a supernatural element involved in that show for it to be like I'm gonna vomit from fear. Like the scene in the end of the first episode when this Japanese American man and his son are sitting in a California post office on a military base, and you know they're they're waiting to be questioned by these like military guys and then the camera pans around and there's this big clock behind them and it just says like December 7th and you're like oh fuck right and just like it just i mean knowing the historic the you know what happened to japanese americans during that era of american history is like worse than really any horror film could touch so it's it's just this amazing show that has all like the all the monstrosities and the atrocities that human beings can do to each other and then on top of that you have an ancient japanese shape-shifting spirit that's out for some blood oath against this family that i haven't figured out yet so there's that i started watching mind hunter oh oh if we're putting that under the category i'm midway through season two we had to take a fucking break because i'm watching this with my wife and she's not stoked on the spooky like we are and it was getting under her she just literally was like can we watch maybe pose or something else because yeah. this is just getting under i mean we're gonna go back to it but it was just getting to be too much yeah i just finished the episode um uh, i think it's episode four season one it's really fucking good Devin, are you a fan or do you watch mindhunter it's on my watch list it's one of those ones where it looks good to me but i know i'm gonna have to like actually pay attention to it a lot more so I'll eventually get. To. I have like that and the strain of the shows I need to. The strain is what's up. That, I I I'm up and down on the strain, but Justin's a huge fan. Yeah, I've heard the first two seasons are really good, and then it kind of falls off after that. Uh, I would say but. the 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 first two seasons are really good. Much of the third season is like, eh, and then the second half of the last season is on point. Hell yeah. But no, uh, Mindhunter really is like some of the performances in that show are, are just spot. Like the guy they got just to play Ed level. Kemper is like terrifying. Yeah, and really ha- upsetting. Having having heard like listen to the interviews they did with that guy, like hearing him do them now is it's fucking eerie. Um, have you guys watched the trailer they dropped to the new trailer for the Lighthouse they did today? I did. Stoked on that. Have you uh, have you seen it yet? I haven't watched either trailer for it. I want to go see it like completely blind. Just oh, good. Good move. Like, I'm sure I will like it, and enough people who I try for opinions have, like, are hyping it really hard to where I'm going and watch it and see what I think. Now, have either one of you watched the trailer for Little Monsters? Yes. I want to say yes. That's the Lupita Nyong'o. She's trying to keep her... She's got a, she's got a group of kids on a yeah, field yeah, trip, yeah. and then there's a zombie, John. Uh, yeah, a Red Band trailer just came out for it, 
And, uh, you know, the first trailer, I thought, oh, this looks pretty good. And then the Red Bear trailer, I'm like, oh, man, let's see what the... the and I'm in. I think it looks really fun. It looks amazing. I'm, like, really stoked on it. Didn't Hulu pick it up for October? Yes, yes. So, I'm, you know, I'm about that. I do like... Side note, I like that all these streaming services pick stuff up and then just say like it's their original production and you're like you didn't produce shit man you're the distribution company yeah like all these people made these movies without you i mean netflix is like banking on so much now i mean netflix has made a couple of films but a lot of their netflix original productions they didn't produce at all they just bought it when no one else would buy it you know yeah but uh but yeah, like that movie existed and then Hulu bought it and now they're like a Hulu original production. I'm like, all right, whatever. If that's <laughs> if that's the branding we need to see the movie, I'm okay with that. Do you know the streaming service Voodoo? Yep. They're starting to, you know, produce originals now. Oh fuck. It's too much. Or I, I got an email for it today. It's like our first original series. I'm like, oh man. I've been seeing ads for that Apple TV original series. Oh. No. I don't even have I have a Roku. Pretty soon Roku's gonna have an original series. Look, hey, if you're out there, Roku, pay pay us to talk about things on camera, and that'll be your original series. We'll call it Justin and, and Liam. Nobody would pay, and <laughs> in their right mind would would want to see that. <laughs> uh, the last thing I saw, I don't want to spend too much time talking about it because I wrote a very long review about it for Cinepunks. I've been wrestling with it for about a week now. Uh, I went and saw It Chapter 2. I've seen it twice now. I'll say two things I liked about it and two things I hated about it. One, movie was way too fucking long. Just too long. Just too long. Uh, I felt more than a little uh, ashamed of how relieved I was when it was finally over. Uh, Two, I've narrowed down what I didn't like about the movie the most was there's a specific scene. Devin, you saw it, right? Yeah, I saw it. Okay. The scene when they flash back to the fucking clubhouse is so distracting because it almost feels like the movie was like skipping. There's just something that's off about all the performances that I was like, this is really fucking bad. This is this is almost unwatchable. The pacing of that movie is very it's a ni- off. It's a nightmare, yeah. What I really liked about it was I thought Bill Hader's performance was just fucking amazing. Um I like how by the end of the movie, he kind of becomes like the moral center of the losers because James McAvoy is too fucking cool to actually play a character that Fuck everyone you, can James rally around. McAvoy. He's back on the list. No. His performance sucks. It's so it. fucking bad. When he's telling that little kid, you have to get out of dairy, I was laughing in the fucking movie theater. Like this kid's nine years old. What is he going to like take an Uber <laughs> to, you know what I mean? Like get, get fucked James McAvoy. But I liked Bill Hader in that. And then I, I really, really love how Bill Skarsgård truly upped the fucking viciousness on Pennywise. His eyes in this one, when he makes them kind of go all over the place. Yeah. Fucking great. Uh, One of my favorite parts about the first one, and Liam and I have talked about this, is when he says to, you know, when he's like talking shit to to Bill and he's like, it was real enough for Georgie, wasn't it? Like, that is like God tier level shit talking. Like, remember when I ate your brother? Yeah, it was real enough for him, wasn't it? Yeah, fucker, let's do this. Uh, the scene in this one where it's the the fucking kid, the guess what, you're not going to be able to help him either. I was like, he's back at it. He's back to fucking talking shit to Bill Dembro. Um, his, you know, the scenes where he was interacting with children were just made my skin crawl. Uh, it was it was unsettling to watch. I say in the review again, it's like watching a child molester isolate a child and like 
guilt trip them into getting closer and closer till they can just fucking spring the trap. I liked it a lot more. I took my mom to see it on Sunday. I liked it a lot more the second time around. I was sad there were no cosmic turtles, but you know, what do you want? So if you want to know more of my opinions about that movie, I put a review up. It's on cinepunks.com. Go check it out. Um, Fuck Henry Bowers. They should not have been this fucking movie at all. Um, That's, that's a, that's my, that's my hard business review on air for chapter (laughs) two. No turtles and fuck Henry Bowers. I mean, you wrote a lot about it. They can catch up. I was so angry. Yeah. I was very upset. Um, So I guess we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about 1986's cosmic horror picture (laughs) from beyond. We'll be right back. Every journey begins in the mind. (laughs) A flight of imagination. A vision of what might lie across the universe. Or within the deepest regions of the subconscious. Dr. Edward Pretorius is about to embark on such a journey. (laughs) It's out of control. You've got to turn it off. Something's coming. Such easy prey. From the makers of Reanimator, from beyond. And we are back to talk about Stuart Gordon's first, no, second H.P. Lovecraft movie starring Barbara Crampton and Yeah, this is after Reanimator. This is after Reanimator. 1986's From Beyond. Directed by Stuart Gordon. Written by me and Liam's personal friend who we are friends with. He's great. Dennis Paoli and a man with a stellar filmography who's made Stop. many great movies Brian one, one good movie many good movies starring Jeffrey Coombs Barbara Crampton Ted Sorrell and a few other people uh, it is a very loose adaption of the H.P. Lovecraft story of the same name uh, it's about a guy who invents a machine that stimulates a gland that no one understands and suddenly he becomes aware of oh so Ken Foray's in this movie too also and he becomes aware of that Around us at all given times, just on a different frequency, there exists this horrible reality that this machine allows them to be in tune with, and all of a sudden, all this like terrible shit starts to happen. Those are called ultra-terrestrials, by the way. You're welcome. So, From Beyond. <laughs> this was a movie that I watched in college way too much. Like, a lot. Like, at least once a week for a few months. Is this just because of your crush on uh, Barbara Crampton? No, or? this was before I became obsessed with Barbara Crampton. Okay. I used to watch this with friend of the podcast and former guest, prior guest, uh, Evan Valella. We watch this movie all the time, and I could text Evan right now with, like, a picture of Ken Frey leaping down the stairs in his underwear about to attack a giant worm <laughs> with a fucking butcher knife, and he'd be like, that's what's up. So, yeah, this this movie has, like, kind of a, a, special, a special place in my heart. Um... I think the practical effects, I don't know if Screaming Mad George did them, but it looks like... It looks like his style. It looks like his style, like the stuff that was in Society and Necronomicon. I just love this uh, this idea of... This like this this embodies everything that I really, 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 really appreciate about H.P. Lovecraft. This idea that there's this... Uh, that our reality is just this thin veil upon this other incomprehensible reality that we are just best not knowing anything about. And I think this movie like really exemplifies the weirdness of that. I appreciate that. 
Uh, Devin, what was your first uh, your first exposure to this movie? It was in college, and I had it on the Netflix mail-in service. <laughs> I love That's that. That's awesome. I remember seeing the box video store all the time as a kid with like his stretched face. But yeah, I just, yeah. I just never actually rented it, and I was very pleasantly surprised by how much I liked it. Then I just never picked it up, and whenever Scream 3 put out the Blu-ray, I immediately picked it up. And it's, I mean, one of my favorite aspects of the movie, I think it has a really cool color palette through a lot of it. Yeah. And then I just love body horror and just how, like, gooey the movie is and just gross. I guess that was, like, my big things. I remember watching this time is that I thought it had really good practical effects and that for, like, technically trying to be, like, kind of a complex, I guess, of a story of, like, these alter realities or just things that we don't see. I thought it was very straightforward and like not super long. I think the runtime was like under an hour and a half. So I was into that. It was very like to the point. Yeah, I agree. It's, it's, it's interesting how it, I mean, okay. So both reanimator and, uh, from beyond give you a feeling of a larger sort of space while staying very tight to, you know, a, a, a confined area. I mean, if you think about it with From Beyond, it's just the house, which, by the way, is just the other side of the doll's house, which they filmed the almost the same weekend. No shit. Yeah. They just shot it from a different angle. It's the same house. That's awesome. <laughs> uh, so they, you know, just this one house that they had access to, and then this hospital where they do a bunch of stuff, which you know could easily have been the hospital from Reanimator for all I know, I don't, <laughs> I don't, whatever. And that's it. It's just those two places, really. And so to still make us believe that there's this thing, but but also by keeping at that house and making that house so central, it has a bit of a claustrophobia. And there's something to me really brilliant about a film that is mildly claustrophobic that's about a broader reality because that makes me think of hp lovecraft yeah. like what to me hp lovecraft's kind of view of the world is like it's so big and so mysterious that that's why it's so small and so tight and so confined it's like the more he imagined the universe having more complexity, the more he felt trapped by it. He didn't feel free. Like, I could go anywhere, do anything. It was I can interact with anyone of any ethnicity. <laughs> it was, there's so much biodiversity out yeah. there that it's just horrifying to think about. Um, and, and with From Beyond, it's like, look, there's this whole other reality that we can't perceive. And what if we could perceive them? And of course, the immediate thing, at least with the film, and I'm sure it's in the story too, but you know what the film star says is, yeah, and as soon as you perceive them, they perceive you, and now they're going to get you. They're, 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 they exist only for your pain. Demise. Better for you to have not seen them and known they existed, which again... As I say, it sounds like he's also still thinking of people who aren't white. I'm no, so, I just hear it that, again and the again. Whole, the, whole idea, the whole idea of uh, the universe is far more complex and insane than you can think of, and it's better to not know than it is to know. It's it's sort of what I think is the most Lovecraftian element of like Mike Mignola's work, is that sure. Hellboy is constantly saying, like everyone's like, don't you want to know where you were born, Hellboy? Don't And he's like, no, I really don't. I really don't care. I'd rather not know. And I think that's sure. like a, that's like a like a, a driving part behind Lovecraft's uh, work is that there's all this shit that people don't know, 
and they're constantly being like, yeah, but there's a reason. There's a reason that we 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 burned the narcotic man, the narcotic fragments, and the the the, the fucking cult de ghouls and all that shit because people don't need to know about it. And then some fucking asshole, some scholarly asshole, has to push the boundaries and read the Necronomicon. And all this horrific shit happens. It's like there's knowledge that exists but is not meant to be known by man because we can't handle it. I mean, even this experiment, right? These are physic f- physicists. What do they do fucking around with the uh, uh, pineal gland? Like, wh- where does that, you know what I mean? Ted Sorrell is a fucking deviant. Right. He's only in it to get off. Devin, what were you going to say? I was going to say, the first time I watched this, all it made me think was The Matrix. Oh, yeah? <laughs> Why? Like, just because they're in, like, they're, like, there's the reality in the matrix and then you know they put them in the matrix and it's what even though there's people that seem like and they know that it's not real but they're like cool with living that way that's kind of just what made me think of this like when i was in college like oh so it's like a much simplified version of the matrix i just thought you were going to refer to barbara crampton's sexy outfit in this that it's like she's about to go into the matrix god barbara crampton in this movie well i was going to say your boy's very very horny in this movie the um What's his name? The one doctor. Oh, oh yeah. Uh, the like, the main guy or the weird guy who's like, if it helps you understand, touch me. <laughs> Pret- was it Pret- Pret- Pretorius? Doctor Pretorius. Yeah. Right. I do. F- he was very very horny the whole movie. So I I actually blind bought this Blu-ray. I did not grow up seeing it. In fact, what's weird is like, I saw Reanimator when I was very young, and then otherwise I didn't catch any Stuart Gordon like during my renting horror constantly time for yeah. whatever reason never got this never got Castle Freak never got Same. dolls like just Stuart Gordon was a big blind spot for me and then this came out on Blu-ray and I was already going to order the reanimator Blu-ray that was coming out so I was like might as well order from beyond why not um well though the reanimator Blu-ray wasn't Scream Factory it was uh Arrow so I was like all right well might as well might as well double out, get get the collection going. Um, so I had no idea what I was in for when I put it in. And I liked it so much that when they announced, shortly after that Blu-ray came out, Exhumed Films did a Empire uh, Films uh, marathon mm. in, in which they showed, uh, you know, well, they showed Reanimator from Beyond, but they also did the, uh, the weird superhero one where the guy's like, his wheelchair is like part tank or whatever. Robot jocks? No. Uh, it might be like the Eradicators or something like that. I oh. if it's, it's something like that. Anyways, did it? Robot Jocks rocks. By the yeah, way. Robot Jocks <laughs> is great. Uh, anyways, so I got to see it on thirty five, and it was really awesome to see it that way. But uh, you know what? What I'm sort of struck by actually in the film is a it is so much more serious than Reanimator, and I don't mean that as a negative thing. But it is interesting to go from Reanimator, which is very much like, not that it doesn't have upsetting moments, but there are also lots of moments that are kind of like, you know, like, hey, look at this crazy thing that's happened. Yeah, The fact that for this one, they went a little more upsetting. Uh, but also, it feels like all the money for this went into those practical effects. But that works. Oh my you know what god, I mean? it looks great. I can think of so many movies that were this sparse in everything else. The cast is sparse. The locations are sparse. The the soundtrack is sparse, and all the money has gone into practical effects. So many other films you could say that about. I feel like would be that would be negative. You would be like, yeah, there's just not much to the movie. And yet, with the between the performances and the script, I think this movie 
feels like a full story. It doesn't feel like light. It doesn't feel like a throwaway movie. It Not feels like a real thing. Um, and some of the moments in it are very visceral and you know, kind of upsetting. Like when, when they every time they go up there with that thing, it's like, oh, what are they going to see now? It's going <laughs> to be bad. Like it's never like, oh, who cares? Whatever. Um, but it, it for me, interestingly, it never those spills over totally into frightening. Like it's it's upsetting. It's gross. But I'm never really that worried about it. And and I I, I was watching it today, even thinking that. Um, Foray is the only one I really care about. Even Barbara Crampton's character is a little distant for me in this, even though I yeah. think she's great in it. I don't really identify with Jeffrey Combs in this, even though he's kind of the hero, you know, even when he's sucking brains out of people. He's, he's still kind of He's kind of a he's kind well, of Well that's a what I'm saying. There's though. only Foray is the only one who's like the man all the way through. He's the only one that I'm really pulling for. And once he's gone. I'm really just watching it to find out what's yeah. going to happen. I'm not pulling for any of the characters particularly. If it had end, what about he makes dinner? Oh my god! Holy <laughs> fucking shit! Oh god! Whatever he's making looks so good. Some sort of pot roast, oh, like like. Uh, let me just go ahead and let you know that is a beef stew, Dinty Moore, with Irish dumplings on top. That's those din- are dumplings. Dinty Moore. That's what I was thinking of. Like that's what yes. it looks like. Oh my yeah, god! Yeah. I miss that stuff so much. You need a vegan version of Dinty Moore. I've I've tried to make it, and it's not as not as good as it could be. But yeah, my girlfriend eats those, and I'll like. I'm like, this looks like fucking dog food. Like this <laughs> smells so bad. I'll I'll let the the audience in on a little sad part of my life. Uh, at a certain point, my mom stopped making dinner. She just was like, "You you know how to use a stove. You got this." And uh, that should have been a real empowering thing for me. But for the first like three or four years, I just regressed to just eating canned <laughs> food and microwave dinners all the time, even though like I kind of knew how to cook. And in fact, I didn't really learn how to make interesting things until freshman year in college where I was still living at home. I became a vegetarian. And then all of a sudden it was like my mom wouldn't let me just buy. I mean, there weren't that many instant vegetarian things in like 1998 not like you know? now so i was like shit i gotta learn how to cook up until that point i had been cooking i said four years but it was probably like six years before that and man didn't he more beef stew Whew. i'd heat myself up a, a a pot of that get myself half a loaf of bread <laughs> that would that would get me through right there hell yeah <laughs> um anyways foray is really even though he kind of comes in almost as a goofy character and he's there a bit of a as a foil because he's the one going this is all a bad idea but i guess we're gonna do it yeah still he's also the most endearing coombs's character is like kind of a dick in some ways he's also too fucking even before he becomes whatever <laughs> Uh, weird tentacle pineal, brain. Pineal yeah. dick, literal dick-headed monster. Frey is like the only one who is the, he's the most relatable because Barbara Crampton is like the distant, cold academic. Um, Pretorius is a walking cock. <laughs> uh, well, well, uh, I will say, you said that, uh, well, oh, let's come back to Pretorius, actually. Keep going, I'm sorry. Meanwhile, Ken Frey is the, he's Bubba. He's, he, that's the most common name in the way, is Bubba. He's the guy who, He's like the surrogate for the audience. And even when uh, Barbara Crampton tries to work her charm on him and he he tells <laughs> the greatest line in it to look at herself. Yeah, and he's like, he's like, you're asking for I it. Written down. Then he fucking grabs her and makes her look in the mirror. And he's like, look at yourself. Is this what you want? 
and he, he's sort of like he's the one who's he's like the moral center and he's also the one who's most grounded in reality which makes him the most endearing he'd be the one who's like if something bad's going on he'd be like let's get the fuck out of here not yeah like right our fine tape and he's just like we're leaving let's go <laughs> like no, no discussion we're getting the fuck out of here Well, even like the hospital staff in the movie are super unbelievable. Like, he's the only person in the movie that you're even like, yeah, they're they're fine. The one nurse is so unlikable. She's accusing Barbara Crampton of being like exploited towards patients, which is technically the right thing to say towards that attitude. And I'm like, who the fuck does she think she is talking to Barbara Crampton like this? Well, and to be fair, she's like, you you exploit patients for your own ambition, which is why I'm gonna make you go through electroshock therapy. <laughs> Wait a minute. That's the sit work. Um, yeah, I, I want to come back to the the uh, the um, Pretorius. What's interesting is how this film has a really interesting relationship with sexuality in that um, it portrays, and, and this is coming out of Coombs' character's mouth, but, but I think it's pretty accurate. It portrays Pretorius as this kind of like seething uh, source of desire, yes. all of his deviance, all of his whatever is is from that. And then even with uh, what's happening to them, this idea that like, there's this inner thing in our brains that would let us perceive more of the world, but it also would make us out of control it, it kind of reminds me in that sense alone it kind of reminds me a bit of like hellraiser right like well do you know what the pineal gland or pineal gland actually does i mean they talk about it in the movie a little bit but i don't know how accurate it that regular was. It, it's actually i mean aside from the fact where it's like you know there's all this like cartesian like oh it's the third eye that sees to the spiritual realm it's um when you hit puberty it regulates um melatonin levels in your brain Sure. Melatonin like suppresses your sexual urges. When you hit puberty, it basically like withers and atrophies and your hormones go through the fucking roof. That's why you want to fuck everything at puberty. <laughs> so in this, when it's like making it grow again, there's actually like a tiny, I'm not being like, it's not entirely like they didn't, you know, Stuart Gordon wasn't like, yeah, pineal gland. Um, ah, fuck it. It comes out of his forehead and you can see like predator. It actually like, it, if you were to like make it grow, it would that it, like it, it makes you, it would make you like like hornier, I guess. It would also give you a weird tentacle out of your forehead. What you know, that's that's whatever happens, you know. Like, <laughs> yeah, I just thought that was interesting. I I don't have a, like a, a grand narrative on the, you know from beyond and sexuality, but uh, I do think it's interesting in that there's all this sexuality going on with them and their and their uh, pineal glands, but uh, but then Pretorius is. You know this this man who is seeking power over these women, and then in this afterworld sense, seeking power over them. But that he's also, in a sense, completely you know uh, impotent himself. That he's like compensating for them for that in in another way of like wanting to consume and sort of grow and be something else. It doesn't see this at all as like this thing killed him, and now he's a part of it. But now he sort of is like, no, this is like my greatest triumph is that I'm doing this and not like, nah, dog, you're a corpse stuck in another, you know, sort of in reality. Yeah. yeah, you're like in a in another dimension. And if this machine, if any one of us was smart enough to actually destroy this machine, uh, you would just be stuck in that weird place with all the uh, the flying, flying jellyfish eels. and eels. Yeah. yeah. 
but, sucks. Uh, yeah, no, it's, that place it's, sucks. it's the worst. Even when he becomes his like full form, that thing sucks too. Like, yeah. it doesn't suck as a design. It's really cool. But like, it, it's his overcompensation, I think, for this thing. Like, sure, he's, you know, in some sense otherworldly, but all of it's gross and, and sucky. No yeah, part beyond of it is sucks. Cool. Yeah, <laughs> the beyond from which you are from is Sucks. actually pretty shitty. Yeah, this is like a tiny little thing, but I realized watching this the other night, like, oh yeah, I forgot that the opening credits, the graphics for this are really, really fucking cool because it's like a black screen and then it gradually, um, it becomes like a high contrast image of writhing maggots. Yeah. And it's very fucking striking. It's it's upsetting. Yeah, it's, I mean, it, it's up there with like, if you want to talk about like, opening credit sequences it's up there with like um twister i think it's a good opening credit stop <laughs> no, stop I, it no i mean it's it's up there with like Zack snyder's dawn of the dead for me which is a good opening credit sequence i'll give you that there's a few other ones too i'm just too tired to think of them friday, friday the 13th part three <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna go with yes with that one as well which we want we we also saw friday the 13th part three recently were you there for the mahoning oh we did see that yeah but i uh, in my head, we had recorded since then, but I guess not. That was uh, what Camp Blood. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, okay, what what else? Any Devin? Any other thoughts about From Beyond that you want to share with our uh, listening audience? I was a big fan of the the watery basement fight. Oh yes, I thought it's it was so a very good. interesting choice that he's in his underwear and he's getting very wet and like, yeah, I was like, all right, <laughs> but that part was cool. Whenever I'm looking at my notes, whenever. Um, Crawford is kind of escaped and he's like eating eating people more or less, sucking their through their eyeballs, I think is what it was. I thought that was pretty interesting, like when those um the medics at the ambulance. I was gonna say it's it's just so vicious. It's it looks really painful. And I just love how like he's aware that he like doesn't want to be doing that, but he's doing it anyway and he can't help it. I thought this movie had a lot of really just interesting kind of weird one liners that the characters say. I have a lot of those written down. We already talked about my favorite one whenever he throws her in front of the mirror and he's just like, look at yourself. You're asking. Yeah. For, you're asking for it. <laughs> that whole scene was very, very not consensual when she like. <laughs> yes. Yeah. She, she's basically sexually assaulting Jeffrey Cubs' character. Yeah. But. I Okay. So the fact that they called it resonator. Yeah. Sick. That's a fucking sick name. <laughs> like Is that is that gonna be a song on a uh on a rejection pact uh record or whatever? I mean it it could be. Um one of our guitar players is super, super into like not that this is a shitty movie, but just old shitty movies. And he actually used to work at the video store with me. I feel like he's probably seen this or at least aware of it. To where if I like came up with that name, he'd probably like, Yeah, sounds cool. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> the the uh I, I i'm glad you bring up the resonator there's one part of this movie that does kind of bum me out which is funny because i bet there's probably a number of things that should that don't but uh when we get towards the end and barbara crampton shows up with uh an explosive device where the fuck did she get that how what the hospital the hospital. She found the explosive device at the hospital. They have the sh- well. I'm. They didn't show up, but I'm assuming that's where she got it. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. That's Give me your logic on this. Where <laughs> did she find a fucking bomb? Bomb at the hospital. Well, they're already doing shock therapy. They're probably blowing people up at this point. <laughs> like, I'm completely okay with this logic <laughs> for testing purposes. They're not. No. No. This part doesn't make sense. She leaves the hospital and she goes. You know what? 
I got some time. I need to go figure out where I can get eight sticks of dynamite, a detonator, and a timer. And then I'll take that to... Like, if I went there, especially because she doesn't know that it's going to turn back on at some point. She's not aware of that. I would just go and get at it with the axe or something. You know what I mean? Or just set the whole house on fire. Like, I, I just... The, the, that was the one moment in a movie in which there are flying interdimensional eels. E- extra dimensional. Oh, I'm sorry. Extra dimensional eels and a dude who's just <laughs> made of cocks, it looks like. In a movie like that, the one moment where I was kind of out of it, I was like, now where the fuck did she Yeah, get where'd that? you get the dynamite from? Where'd she I get just, that uh, I don't know. It's just a weird decision. She could have. I. I just think a scene of her crying as she goes around the house, spreading gasoline everywhere, would have been just as effective as her. You know, carefully placing a, an explosive, a timed bomb. What if it was in Pretorius's dungeon? He had dynamite just lying around. Why would he have? Again? I'm also on board with this. <laughs> my man is making these like flawless arguments. I'm not. I don't want you in my writer's room. <laughs> I don't know. It's just there. It's got dynamite there. People don't just have dynamite around. I okay. I don't have dynamite, but I have enough weapons in my house to be like to out Charles Bronson in, in Death Wish. <sighs> I don't want to hear about your weapons, you creepazoid. I have to carry a gun for work. I'm sorry. I understand. I'm just saying. That also doesn't explain I mean, lots of people have guns and don't have eight sticks of dynamite and a timer. Ready to go. I'm not saying I have bombs in my house, but you know. I do like the idea that she might have just stopped at a hardware store and was like, oh my God, I need like a timed explosive device for a stump in my backyard. Yeah, let's go with that. And Dick Miller was like, yeah, I got this bomb they ordered to blow up tremors, but they never picked it up. You can have it for free. <laughs> um, but I will say, you know, that was the only part where, you know, he's like sucking brains out of eyeballs. And I'm like, yeah, this all, this all, it's great. Um, I, you know, it, it it is interesting that Pretorius makes this big deal about like you're becoming something new and you are this you know this next step and whatever. It's like very much about this uh, kind of like evolutionary step that this is and you know he's just a dude with a weird skinny dick in his head who can see like the predator but is can't control the fact that he wants to suck out brains. Like he never does. There's no like powers he doesn't zap anybody no but just think it's about the chaotic nature of how that dimension would would impact sure but i think it would be pretty i'm not surprised that combs is never seduced combs's character is never seduced by pretorius's bullshit because there's no surge of power you know like in in a thing like this it would make sense for him to have some sort of like surge of power in which he's like you know, maybe I am the next step in human evolution. And, and then he struggles with that and makes a decision. It's like, it pretty much sucks for him. Like, he just feels bad. He loses all his hair. Then he grows a, a tentacle out of his forehead. And then he can't stop sucking brains. There's no point where he... I, I, there's no point where he would... Well, don't, no, matter, no matter what... No matter what dimension reality you're in, there's always going to be some sure, powerful exactly. asshole who sure. who's like fucking and, but everyone I, over. But I'm saying I'm not surprised Pretorius. he says no. Like, there's no point where he would be like, you know, maybe Pretorius has a point, and this is all pretty no. sick. No, that's the only reasonable thing he does no. in this movie is like, like we've talked about beyond where there's fucking jellyfish and all this shit. That place is really shitty. <laughs> I, I I'm totally with Jeffrey Combs being like, ah, I'm good. I'll stay here. I mean, he he does almost suck out Barbara Crampton's brain. Yeah, but, but so I met her at comic at, at Monster Mania, and I got to be honest, I uh, she you know you grew you grew a tentacle out of your forehead. 
forehead, yes. <laughs> All right. Well, I, I think that's everything we can basically say. About I, I, I do want to talk about real quick is that this is not the only... Um, there was a... Did you guys ever watch the Masters of Horror they did on Showtime? Oh, no. I never caught up with it. I Stuart Gordon did a... A, a, uh, a segment on that, uh, the dreams of the witch house, which is an adaption of the st- the story of the Lovecraft, the say the story of the same name from H. P. Lovecraft, and it's very 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 close to From Beyond. Oh, so okay. if you like if you like From Beyond, I would check out Dreams of the Witch House. I'll check. I mean, it, it it has a rat with a human face named Brown Jenkin, which sounds like a racial slur, but you know that's it's Lovecraft. That's no matter what. Well, speaking of Lovecraft, <laughs> our next film is also an adaptation, though a very loose one. Very loose. Uh, so I guess we'll take a quick break. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about 1995's Castle Freak. Stuart Gordon, the director of Fortress, The Pit and the Pendulum and Reanimator takes you into the dungeons of Castle Dorsino. Now an American family Welcome to Castle Riley, lady. will inherit a legacy of evil. They say the castle is home. And a master of modern horror. Will unleash his most terrifying creation. Stuart Gordon's Castle Free. There's somebody else here! There's somebody in the castle! want you to search the castle. Giorgio Dorsino, he was never buried. She kept him alive. He's here somewhere in the castle. Reanimators Jeffrey Combs and Barbara Crampton in Stuart Gordon's Castle Freak. And we are back to talk about 1995's gothic horror, Castle Freak. Written by Stuart Gordon, Dennis Paoli, and Howard Phillips Lovecraft based on his short story, The Outsider, starring, this is weird, Jeffrey Combs, who I've met. Sure. Barbara Crampton, who I've met, and Jonathan Fuller, Fuller as Giorgio Dorsanio. Is it Giorgio? Is that what it is? Giorgio. Giorgio. Giorgio the, Giorgio the Castle Freak. Um, Giorgio the Castle Freak. <laughs> so, did you guys ever like read the story about how this movie got made? No, I didn't know there was one. Uh, Stuart Gordon was in Howard, or Charles Band's <laughs> office. And I got a lot to say about Charles Band. <laughs> 
he was in Charles Band's office, and there was a there was a poster for for something called Castle Freak, and it was just this mock up of a guy being like hit with like a whip, and uh, Stuart Gordon was like, uh, the "Fucks up with that poster," and he's like, "Yeah, we're trying to make a movie called Castle Freak," and he was like, "Okay, can I make it?" He's like, "Yeah, there, but there's got to be a castle, and there's got to be a freak in there," and he's like, "Okay," <laughs> so that's like, "Oh man, there you go." I mean, that was classic, right? Like, that's what Canon Films used to do all the time is make the poster first. Just make posters, You yeah. make a poster. And yeah. then you get a bunch of money for the poster. And then you make a movie. Uh, I, did you ever see the poster they made for a Spider-Man movie that never happened? Oh, it's so good. I've never seen it this. Looks, I came across it the other day. It's real, real shitty. I mean, yeah, it's bad, but I love it. I fucking love it. I uh, would have definitely liked to have seen that. I mean, oh, wow. ha- did you see Cannon's other superhero projects? You probably wouldn't have liked to see it. What other superhero projects did they do? Oh. Superman 4. Yep. Uh, they did that shitty Captain America movie. They did the Fantastic hey. Four movie that never uh, came out. They the did... Captain America movie rocks. It's so uh, good. Sure. Sure. <laughs> I got it on Blu-ray. It's perfect. <laughs> so this movie is basically about uh, this guy, Jeffrey Combs, he and his wife, Barbara Crampton, playing themselves. Uh, they inherit a castle, which is a common thing, apparently. You just inherit castles. Just inherit a castle. It's just a castle. So I have an uncle out there who's got a castle that's going to give it to me. Um, they go there, and then there's a fucking... There's this thing living in the basement that's a monster, and it starts stalking them and their blind daughter, and, you know, mayhem ensues. Now I have a few questions. One, where the fuck did Charles Band get a castle from? He just has a castle, man. I just, just, just not have a fucking castle. Empire inherited, inherited film. it. From who? A relative. Carlos Bandino or something like that. <laughs> His like rich Italian uncle. Like, where the fuck? This guy does Empire, Empire Films. Empire Films and Full Moon. Nothing this man has ever done has ever made him, I'm buying a castle money. You don't know. You don't know what his pockets are worth. Don't be looking at his. I've wallet. seen subspecies. I've seen seed people. I've seen shrieker. I've seen trancers. I where's he getting this money from? Definitely trancers. <laughs> yeah, the trancers franchise bought Charles Band a castle. Uh, so I'll say uh, the one thing I'll talk about with this movie that I just is really the only truly great thing I want to say about this. This movie is very, 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 very loosely based on a Lovecraft story called The Outsider, which is literally two pages long, and it's about, it's told from like a first-person point of view about a guy who's wandering through a castle, and he walks out into a courtyard, and there's a group of people, and they're all repulsed by him, and he's like, oh, or they're, they're all like shrieking in horror, and he's like, what are they shrieking in horror about? And he turns around, and he sees this thing behind him, this like horrible monstrosity, and as he walks towards it, he realizes he's looking into a mirror. <gasps> Gasp. Oh, dear. I know. It's <laughs> it's the shittiest story of all time. One thing I like about what um, Dennis Paoli and Stuart Gordon did with this movie is that they they took this story and they injected into it like a very common and classic Lovecraft theme of how uh, we cannot escape the sins of our family's pasts and that shit that our forefathers do and shit that our parents do often comes back to haunt us. And whether or not that's fair, it doesn't matter. We have to deal with it. And I think that's kind of the case with this is like, even though uh, John Riley, Jeffrey Combs's character is like kind of a shitty dude, I still think he largely means well. And I think that his half brother, cause surprise, this thing in the basement is his half brother. Um, 
the fact that he has to deal with his older half-brother now being this horrifying, freakish thing is like a classic Lovecraftian thing. You know, it's not always about forbidden knowledge and cosmic octopi people coming out of the ocean. A lot of times it's simply about how um, when something terrible enough happens in the past, that tends to resonate out and it almost always catches up with us in present time. And I appreciate that in a, mo- in a movie that is sort of dumb that that theme was present in the sense that um, it's just it's often very difficult to, to unentangle yourself from your family's history, even if you're c- completely unaware of that history. I just want to point out that the internet claims that Charles Band's net worth is somewhere around eighty million dollars. So I don't believe you that. go ahead. I and, don't believe and that. Put your skepticism. I in don't your believe pocket, that at sir. all. I want to see the fucking bank statements. <laughs> Correct. Uh, yeah. Well. So, Devin, I want to give you a chance. Actually, this is your first time watching Castle Freak. Is that right? I mean, what did you think, man? I mean, this is a weird movie to sort of walk into out of nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> what did you think about it? There was part. Of, I mean, overall, I probably wouldn't watch it again. To be honest, it's cool. Like the um, Giorgio is definitely gross looking. Sure. I was a big fan of the noises they they chose for him to do, as how he talks. I guess the the vaguely Italian noises. Yeah, <laughs> but I don't know. Like, I feel like it was kind of the pacing of it was kind of slow. Sure. And I think in my head I'd built. Because, like, all the posters I've seen for this movie, and, like, I remember always seeing it on VHS at, like, Blockbuster. And I expected this movie to be way grosser. And I feel like if I, like, I thought the, um, the, stri- the whatever version that Shutter had, quality kind of sucked on it. So I feel like if I saw it in, like, a more, like, hi- higher def version, I might like it a little more. I mean, I'll go ahead and let you know, I don't think there is a higher def version of this movie that I've seen. Like, even the Blu-ray kind of looks like this. Like I thought the car wreck in it was really good beginning when he's recollecting when his kid got killed. I thought that car car wreck scene was very over the top and pretty fun. He was sad that his son JJ died, but thankfully his other son Harley and Mackie lived. Just the way that <laughs> stop. <laughs> Just the way that the the car barely crashed. But then like somehow his kid gets flown and like they're like super bloody, and I'm like they were going like maybe twenty. Like I got in a car, I got in a car right. wreck not too long ago, and like we were going faster, than that and we were fine. But I don't know. I kind of like. You heard it here first. Devin recommends car crashes. <laughs> You'll be fine. It's fine. Um, like it wasn't bad. I'm not like bummed that I watched it, but I kind of feel like, especially because how much I love From Beyond and like Reanimator. I kind of expected to like this one more than I did. But then I also looked at like, oh, this came out in the 90s. And the 90s are kind of a bleak time for, for horror. Sure. I mean, I, I, there's some gems from the 90s. But yeah, it's it wasn't quite... Well, and here's... A, I'm inclined to uh, sort of sympathize with you on this and say, like, this is definitely not great. Uh, I am a little defensive of this movie only in the sense of a it is a movie that I was thinking of as a movie that was like hey we've got this location so let's just shoot a movie at the location doesn't matter what it is we just got a castle we got to shoot at the castle and apparently it's not even that it's a movie for which we have a poster (laughs) no plot or anything it's just a poster 
we happen to have made the poster because we have access to a castle. I guess we're going to make a movie there. And for that level of movie, which sounds, if you're unfamiliar with horror, might sound like a joke, but this happens in horror and other genre films all the time. We just happen to have a location. Let's fucking shoot something. Who cares what it is? This is one of those movies. And for that, it stands out. It actually, it has something there. It's upsetting. It has some real gross moments. Him with the sheet over his eyes, he looks like some sort of freaky superhero. That is, honestly, that's the best it's part. It's so good. It's so fucking unsettling. But uh, but yeah, I agree with you. The, the All the setup stuff doesn't, well, here's basically what, what Char- Charles, what Stuart Gordon had figured out up to this point, I feel like, is a lot of chemistry. Um, I feel like, Combs and the less cool doctor in Reanimator. There's a certain chemistry there. Uh, Combs and Barbara Crampton and Ken uh, and Frey and uh, from Beyond. There's a certain chemistry there. In this movie, he's like working with these familiar players, and none of the chemistry for me works. Mm-hmm. Barbara Crampton is grating and annoying. The she reminds me of Skylar from Breaking Bad. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. One hundred percent. Yeah. I could see that. Uh. The daughter, not real, doesn't exist. So naive, she's no longer a character. Liam doesn't believe in blind people. He also thinks Stevie Wonder can see. I do think Stevie Wonder can see, but <laughs> I don't actually think that. But no, what I mean is that she's so she's so uh, unable to actually understand her mother and truly perceive her father that she no longer, for me, becomes a character. Everything she says is ridiculous. She's just a bunch of like pollyanna lines to represent how naive she is it doesn't work and then in the end the i don't think the movie wants us to sympathize with uh jeffrey combs character too much but if you think about the other people in the movie the only characters who are given any moments for us to feel bad for them are jeffrey combs dad character and the castle freak who eats women and and abuses women he eats a cat. Yeah. yeah. Well, and he eats ladies. Yeah. Not their whole body, but very gross parts in, in the sense of like, you know, the 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 joke. I'm sure it was very funny for everyone. The uh, violent <laughs> cunnilingus scene. That yeah, I'm sure Barbara Crampton and the child on set were like, this is really funny. I think it's was I think it's done in a way that it's like, oh, get it? He's eating uh. but um but the problem is I think because the movie has uh, you know only has two sympathetic characters and one of them is this like uh awful dad who i don't like and the other one is uh a frustrated uh uh abused uh castrati castrati who and and in the end i mean again it's also impotence but it's also an impotence where every woman is i mean the villain yep. in this movie is also his mom in other words what i'm saying is this movie feels very negative towards women. Yeah. And the only good dudes are not good. They're terrible. What about the cop? <laughs> Again, all bad. All everyone what? is bad. You don't you mean to tell me you don't like um Sergio, the cop of the heart of gold, and then Mario and Luigi who show up <laughs> to do nothing to protect them from the castle freak? To be fair, the cop with the heart of gold is also just unwilling to investigate anything it just is like look if i beat jeffrey combs long enough he'll admit to murdering this woman and then we're, we're good to go who amongst us hasn't had the urge to beat violently beat jeffrey combs 
All I'm saying is, is that uh, you know, I I don't think Stuart Gordon is like a misogynist or anything, but I do think this movie misses the mark by not really having any female characters for us to identify with, and also having no male characters that are redeeming in any way, such that we end up. I mean, I legitimately. <laughs> I don't think it's a bad thing that there are moments where I think, oh, man, that, that sucks for the castle freak. <laughs> but the fact that those moments are the only sympathetic moments in the whole movie is gross considering how what he is and what he does. If there was another character, especially yeah. if that was a female character, but it could be a male character, who I found endearing and had some sort of arc in any way, then it would take away from the grossness of being like, Man, this sucks for the castle freak. You know what I mean? Like, there's just by not having anything else there, it's like, okay, well, uh, all the women are awful, and the only dudes I can identify with is, uh, I I killed a kid and I blinded another one, and <laughs> hey, let's yeah. bite this lady's body all up. Both I, of which are bad. I also am not comfortable in the least with how they sexualize uh, the daughter. Right. I mean, even yeah. if she, pro- she, I mean, she probably was like 19 or 20 when they made this movie. But she's clearly meant to be like an adolescent girl. And there's just some scenes where uh, they show her like in her bra. And I'm like, I don't uh, even 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 the cover of the movie is her like in her bra while Giorgio like lurks behind. I I would suggest that the cover is what makes it even worse. Like those scenes, you you could someone could turn that on you and say, you're sexualizing those scenes. Those scenes are just whatever. Until you see the cover of the movie, and you mm-hmm. go, clearly Charles Band thinks there's there's a draw here, and it's it's uh, pubescent boobies. The man owns a castle in 2019. I thought there was I thought there was going to be some weird relationship just from looking at the cover between her and the um and the freak. Yeah, I think but. the movie wants that. I think the movie hints that maybe there's like a a weird uh. You know, they're they're both children of supposedly, you know, not great parents or whatever, but it doesn't play that up. There's no there's no moment where the castle freak is like, you know, I don't need to bite your boobies off. Maybe we could be normal friends. I thought they were gonna do like an unmasked part twenty five thing where they were gonna end up falling in love for a minute and then she realizes that he is a freak and he kills people or something and that um after that she's like oh what have you done like this can't work out but that didn't happen yeah i mean i i, I think it would have been it it would have it would have added like i think Stuart gordon is a competent enough director and dennis paoli is a competent enough writer where they could have worked some sort of element into that where like the only person who is sympathetic yeah, towards him exactly. at all is this blind girl because she that that would have been like a reasonable storyline but it just I, I think they were too hell bent on like uh, you know, tits and blood and sex workers getting mauled to really bother pursuing that. The part the part where she gets her uh we'll say her breasts attacked. I just have in my notes yeah, like, that's it's, the part that's like all bullshit. It's upsetting. Like, holy shit. Well, and that's what I think is that the imagery around uh the Giorgio character, the way that he acts and whatever, um I think even that stuff that's like super upsetting, that hints at a better movie to me. That hints at if if we had a little more budget and a little more time, we had uh, a little more of uh, a chance to film in this crazy castle, then maybe something better could have come about. 
certainly the script could have used a little bit of work. Uh, but I, I just think it feels like a rushed movie that is okay, but it both benefits from and suffers from the people who made it. It benefits from in that a lot of people have watched Castle Freak on the strength of Reanimator from Beyond. It suffers from it because you want something that is a triumph. Like, Reanimator from Beyond are triumphs of over budget, of like, sure, we've only got this much money, but we're going to do something sick. And both of those movies are sick. And then here comes this movie, and it looks like what it cost. In fact, I would suggest that many times it looks less than what it costs. Yeah. So it looks cheap. Yeah, it looks significantly cheap. Um and I don't just mean because it was uh it looks like it was sh- shot on video or something, but I don't even just mean the 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 quality of the film itself, but I mean like everything about it feels cheap other than the fact that they're in a castle. Everything about this movie feels very cheap. Uh and and the few moments where it does shine just makes me think it could have been better. Now, is it completely not entertaining? Not at all. I think that at certain moments it's very entertaining, and I think uh, with a crowd reacting to it, you know what I mean? Not like making jokes, but like just that, that yeah. excitement of seeing it with a bunch of people. It could be an okay movie to see. Like I, I don't think it's terrible, but uh, but I was just really struck. This is my third time seeing it. I was really struck this time that like the the movie that's there isn't strong enough for me to justify the parts that I don't think are very good. I, I think it has a handful of actually truly frightening scenes. Sure. Um, the scene where the girl, the daughter wakes up in the middle of the night when Georgia was like in her room, like doing whatever. And she's like stumbling Touching around. His hole. Yeah. <laughs> he's and, sniffing. Yeah. He's <laughs> there you go. She's like stumbling around. She's like, is there someone there? And like, she's only like a few feet away from, him, but she can't tell. Like if you put yourself in that situation where you're blind and you know, there's someone in the room, that's fucking terrifying. Um, and then there's a scene at the end where her and her mom are running and they're at one end of the hallway and the camera is looking past them up at the other end of the hallway and Giorgio comes running out and sees them and starts running at them. It's just, it's a very simple and it's not like a, this amazing feat of cinematography, but I've always liked shots in horror movies when there'll be something in the background that's not the immediate focal point of the shot that is like relevant to the shot and is terrifying and all of a sudden that becomes like what you're supposed to be afraid of. So I, I do think this movie does have a, a handful of like startling moments. Um, it also has a scene where Jeffrey Combs performs cunnilingus on a sex worker. And if I never see that again, it'll be too fucking soon. He kept, he kept his pants on. Right. When they what is he? Sex. What is amateur that hour? Was, <laughs> it's made me think of that. Also skip. <laughs> I'm saying if there's no ass, what are we even doing? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but no, I mean, it's, it's definitely not the strongest of, uh, like I would honestly rank this below even like dolls. I like dolls. I think dolls, dolls rocks. are underrated actually. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. It's like this, this, but it's saying like not a lot of people know about dolls, but like this sure. is a movie that a lot of people are like castle freak is fucking sick. And I'm like, it's good. It's fine. It's got a few shocking moments. It also yeah. like, it's a movie again, we've got reanimator. We've got dolls. We got from beyond. This is his least, least believable movie, partly because there's a couple moments where Castle Freak goes from tortured castrati who's been in a thing to like superpower, like the the part where he jumps out the window. Yeah, I'm like, my man can barely walk. You know what I mean? He's been whipped for thirty some years. He lives off of 
uh, a piece of bread and salami and a most, cat most of which the cat eats yeah uh, and then uh, yeah he eats a cat that's not good for you and then he just leaps out that window and just lands a barefooted and i'm like my man's at least got shin splints yeah he should have a broken fucking osteoporosis leg. he hasn't had any calcium no yeah where's he getting his calcium from and furthermore when they go into a cell it's not heaped with piles of shit well that's true but i knew as soon as i didn't see the shit i'm like well charles band isn't paying for shit no He's too busy buying castles. <laughs> he's got he's got all that from beyond money to yeah. spend on castles. Uh, yeah, you know it's it's. But on the other hand, I think there are probably two reasons that this movie carries on. Uh, one is a gross one, which is that he does bite a he does do some crazy things. There's some visceral scenes, like you said, Justin, but also some of the stuff that we were all kind of like ugh by. Uh, the you know attack on the woman and whatever that's sort of the negative reason this movie probably still plays with people because they like stuff like that in their horror movies and so they're just like oh yeah it's so sick but i think the other reason it endures is that the one thing that doesn't feel cheap to me is giorgio like his performance the makeup the way that he acts a lot of his attacks on people and stuff all that, I think, still kind of endures, even if the stuff around it is gross. And even I think that the movie needs more characters that are worth caring about. And so like, I get why it endures. But if you're like, oh, man, I've only seen Reanimator. I really need to get my Stuart Gordon on. You know, check out From Beyond. Check out Dolls before you jump into the old Castle Freak. That's my feeling. I'll say it again. That. Check out Dreams of the Witch House. That's a yeah, fucking great sure. movie. All right, so any, anything else to say about uh, Castle Freak? I was say I thought that Giorgio looked a lot like Tom Noonan from Last Action Hero. Remember that Whoa. character in there, the Ripper. I forgot yes. all about that. If you took the Ripper and mixed him with Christopher Lloyd from Dennis the Menace, that's what I thought that <laughs> he, he looked like. And that, the whole time, that's just what I kept thinking. I can fuck with that. I appreciate that. All right. I well, think I think uh, the only part of the movie that is truly just a step too far. It's not all the violence against women. It's that it tries to have a cute ending where they the give baby. her the orphan child. That was just like, Stuart Gordon, come on. You don't know how child welfare works. Well, and also, just fuck you. Like, <laughs> like just end on the gross. They'll be like, and also, now little Antonio has a home. No, he doesn't have a fuck. <laughs> There's no way Barbara Crampton's character is like, Oh, little uh, little Italian guy? Yeah, I'll take him. I'm it's completely the, ready to handle sequel. another child. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah the sequel that never yeah. happened the castle freak can never die no it can't yeah 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 that's all i got yeah i mean i was gonna sing my version of super freak but castle freak but i'm not going to castle freak so Devin, thank you for coming on to talking to us this was a fucking blast yeah, thanks so much man yeah this was fun yeah, i'm gonna i'm gonna add you on facebook as soon as i get home hell yeah so uh any uh tell us tell us if people want to hear rejection packed or if they want to like follow you in your various social medias, where can they find all that stuff at? I'm on Twitter a lot. It's DevDog. That's my username. Same thing on Instagram, but on Instagram it would be DevXDog. Is the extra straight edge? Yes. Yes. Um, if, if it wasn't, he would talk shit later. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm the only person out of all my friends growing up that didn't break edge. Fuck out of everyone, yeah. Out of That's everyone awesome. I grew up with. Um, yeah, man. For all of our all the rejection pack stuff, just literally at rejection packed. If you were on Spotify, Apple Music, like all that bullshit, we're most active on Instagram. I guess that's the only thing that we really use. 
for the most part. If you don't have any of the streaming stuff, if you just go to the Safe Inside Records Bandcamp, that's where our record is. And our demo is on our own Bandcamp, which is just... Oh, that's right. You guys are label mates with Pain Strikes, the homies. Highly... Highly underrated. Yeah, they're uh, yes, yeah. They uh, they actually work at the uh, the one dude works at uh, Lehigh Valley Apparel Creations, so they're friends of ours. We hype them up. Yeah, they're very sick. Um, right when we started doing this, um, what's it called? Colin messaged me, and mm, I was like, "Oh, dude. you're on my friend's podcast. That's sick. <laughs> <laughs> so sick. But safe inside is sick. Uh, we're gonna start writing a new record or." You know, air quotes. Heard. We're gonna start. We started writing. We're just starting to write new stuff now. So hopefully, record something next year. And and you said, yeah. are you guys touring next year? Like, when when are you when when? Uh, we're gonna probably like out? a seven. I can't see it being more than like eight days, but try to do an East Coast tour, probably in either the okay. spring or the summer. Kind of depending on because we're trying to get on a couple other shows and kind of working around that schedule. And then I know we were talking about trying to do like somewhat Midwest tests kind of down there at some point next year. Then we'll probably hit the um, West Coast again, but probably do like California. I know we're trying to do like a California weekend, I think probably earlier in the spring. It's because the weather out here sucks. Or like it's really not worth driving on the highways to where we're going to be um dormant for the winter besides just like playing locally and like writing stuff man that's that sucks <laughs> yeah it like because we were supposed to do like a little um there's a couple tours that we we're trying to do this winter in like the northwest ish area and as we're sitting around talking about it we're just kind of like yeah i don't know man like these roads like i don't know if it's really worth it to like potentially get in a huge car crash to go play. Yeah, that's like to go show. That's like I was gonna say that's like Donner Party territory out by there, isn't it's it? It's bad. Like basically to get here to Seattle and Portland, there's literally one highway, and so if it gets ah. snowed in, it's closed. And then um, they're gonna try to like go down to like Denver and stuff, and we still might. But even that road's like pretty crazy. Ugh, man. Well, there's only one choice. <laughs> Got to move somewhere else. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. We're really uh, happy to have you on, and and thanks for picking such fun movies to talk about. Hell yeah, we really appreciate it, man. Thank you so much. Well, thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm glad. I'm gl- the pleasure. The pleasure was all in this. Was all on the East Coast. The pleasure was all on our side. That's the super fun. So uh, I guess that's about it. If you want to know more, you can go to www.cinepunks.com. Yeah. We have a lot of cool stuff on there articles movie reviews some other cool podcasts i don't know liam does like 50 podcasts on there stop uh if you listen to us on itunes just remember to rate review subscribe and download 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 and leave us a nice review leave us an honest review let me say that just say if you want to say like justin lore sucks i'd be like okay join the club but yeah feel free to engage (laughs) You could follow don't us. Don't actually on, do that. You could follow. Well, yeah, please don't. I, it'll it'll ruin my fucking day. I'll go. I'll, it'll give me an instant panic attack if I see that. Um, you could follow us on the Instagrams and the Twitters at the Harbiz six six six. If you're on the Facebooks, I think it's the Harbiz six 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 there as well. Um, <laughs> feel free to interact. I run most of that stuff. So uh, if you want to say what's up, 
say what's up. If you want to say, square up, I think H.P. Lovecraft's not racist, I'll say, cool, you're getting blocked. Um, <laughs> and until next time, just remember, uh, fuck Victor Salva. Fuck Victor Salva and fuck Jeepers Creepers 3 coming out in theaters again. Fuck all you. Is it? Oh, yes. Gross. Yeah, fuck them. So gross. All right, we out. Peace.